what we're starting today is a new series. It's called Baggage Claim. I know we got lights going and sound. Okay, we're trying to figure out uh, everything in summer just gets lazy. So even the sound system gets lazy, the lights get lazy. So we have to kind of get things fixed and uh, all figured out. But this series is really interesting. Baggage Claim, it comes from the idea of being in an airport. Who's been to an airport before? Okay, now the idea is this. The idea is that the Protestant church was anyone in here who's not, who's not Catholic, who's not Catholic, okay? If you are, that's great, by the way. I'm glad you're here, okay? Um, how about Eastern Orthodox? Anyone in here who's Eastern Orthodox? Oh, surprising, really. In Alm, Arkansas, okay. And so in that, if you are not one of those two, you are considered Protestant. And so the idea of the Protestant church is that basically you are part of a movement that has started with one idea, protest. To say that what they're doing is bad, is wrong, and so to protest, to, to make things right, to show the right way, we're going to, to break apart from them, we're going to create distance and space, and we are going to show you how to do it right. Now, I'm having trouble finding um, the exact figure but there is an argument that there's anywhere between 22,000 and 47,000 Protestant denominations. 47,000 different ways of doing church. Think about that. 47,000 different branches. Would you like to know how many branches of the Catholic Church there are? One. How about Eastern Orthodox? One. How about Protestant? 47,000. <laughs> and so what happens is this. There is an assumption. There is a, uh, an ingrained idea that to be Protestant, we hold on to it with our arms like this. We sleep with it at night. We embrace it. And it's this. It makes us feel comfortable at night to believe that we have it right. Okay? Now, it does not matter what type of Protestant you are. Okay? It doesn't matter if you come from uh, a Baptist church, a Presbyterian church. It doesn't matter if you come from uh, a charismatic church, a Pentecostal church. Uh, you have an assumption inside of it. And the assumption is, is that in a very nice, polite way, okay, smiling while we say it, okay, we are assuming that we have it right. Okay? We have it right. Now, just kind of sit on that for a second. If we here at Grace Church have an assumption that we have it right, but the Baptist church on the hill, First Baptist, they're also Protestant, they also believe that they have it right. And then Beyond Church on 71 believes that they have it right. And then Kibler Baptist on 64 believes that they have it right. And then Harvest Time in Fort Smith. And then, oh yeah, all of the hundreds of thousands of Protestant churches... If we all believe that we have it right, how do we know who has it right? How does that make you feel? I think there are only two reactions to this. One is to say, I feel just fine because I know that, come on, I, ha <laughs> I have it right. Now, what's interesting about that is even if you go to a church, which you don't think that the church has it all right, 
which if you go into Grace Church, you probably have that in your, in your mind, right? Because we have a little bit of everybody. So there's probably stuff you like and stuff you don't like here at Grace, right? And so if you're at Grace, if you attend Grace, if you love Grace, you probably even believe that Grace doesn't have it right. But you believe that who has it right? Now, if you don't believe that, you've probably been at Grace for a while then. Because it takes a while to get that out of us, right? Now, if this ingrained idea is inside of us that I have it right, it changes the way I interact with everyone around me. And so what happens for us is the culture that we live in right now, we, we live in a world in a time where anyone who disagrees with us, anyone who challenges the rightness that I have, right, if they challenge this, they instantly become labeled an enemy. On Facebook, how long does it take for you to like someone or to dislike them? One post. Hear me right now. You have no, most of you do not know what my personal preferences are in politics. Now, I bet you could guess if you've been at Grace for a while. You could probably guess pretty easily, right? But a lot of you have no idea. Would you like to know why? In one post on Facebook, I could lose 300 people. Now, if it's summer, you know, we probably don't have them anyway. But in August, when they come back to church, in one post on Facebook, I could lose 300 people just like that. It takes a few seconds for someone to identify that I disagree with them, and they're going to create distance and space between us. And so what happens is, is that the first reaction to this idea that I have it right, the first reaction to the, to the idea that other people do it differently is to find safety, to find a, it's like a warm blankie to wrap around yourself, right? It's like Linus with his, his blanket. No one reacted to that. Oh, okay, Charlie Brown, Linus. Okay, if you're Protestant, you are a Linus, okay? You have a blanket you carry out, and it makes you feel safe and comfortable. And your safety and your comfort comes from your beliefs, trusting that you believe the right things, and that helps us sleep at night. So what happens is, what happens if someone tries to take our blankie away from us? I like my blankie. It's warm. It's comforting. It's been with me for so many years. I've believed these things for, about God for all my life. I've carried them with me since I was a kid. My parents taught me this. My parents went to Assembly Church. I went to Assembly Church, or I went to a Baptist church, or whatever it is, and it's comforting. It's safe. Don't take away my safety. What happens when someone tries to take away your safety? This is Arkansas, by the way, so be honest. What happens when someone tries to take your safety away? If you're in Arkansas, what do you respond with? <laughs> Guns. Guns, right? Went to go get some guy a paint bit on his house just yesterday, and he's showing me the house and walking to his bedroom. Huge monster shotgun. This thing, I mean, just sitting just right, I just, hey, that's a big gun. <laughs> it's Arkansas, right? It's okay. Someone wants to take away our safety, we are going to respond with force. They are now the enemy. If someone on Facebook attacks the safety of my beliefs, my ideas, I'm going to respond in one way. I'm going to attack. Because on Facebook is the place where we all show love and compassion. Correct? I embrace that you disagree with me. I love you. I'm going to give you a like. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not quite. I'm going to give you a flaming angry emoji. <laughs> uh, channel 5, man. 
Channel 5's posts on Facebook are the worst. You know, like the, 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 you know they'll show us something, and everyone just has that flaming, angry emoji, you know? Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's always fun for me to watch your Facebook feeds whenever that stuff comes up and see the emoji you give them. Poop emoji! <laughs> flaming poop! Okay. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Now, the second reaction is not to find safety in this the second reaction is to say, okay, I know that I believe I have it all right. I know that that belief gives me safety. I know that these ideas about the world and God have allowed me to sleep well at night. They help me feel good about myself. They help the world make sense. But here's the problem. I also know that this blankie I've been carrying around my entire life, it smells. And it stinks. And if you've seen Charlie Brown, there's this weird kind of fog that just kind of is hovering off of this thing. There's bugs, right? There's holes in it. This thing served me well, but maybe I need to lay it down. So the first reaction is to cling to your blankie, to wrap it up tight, and to fight anyone who wants to take it away from you. When we tried to take uh, the passy away from our uh, middle child, it was, it was a fight. He would sleep at night like this because he knew that we we're going to sneak in and try to take it away. But our firstborn, Jude, when he was done with the passage, he realized, I don't need that thing. There are two reactions. Are you going to embrace this blankie and hold tight to this thing, which if you do, the odds are you will not let Grace Church for very long? Or are you going to say, maybe I need to lay this thing down, or at least wash it. How about that? We can start with washing it. And so in this series, the idea for us is, is to go through all the major expressions of the church and to wash them at least, right? To, to, to put them in the laundry. Okay, what are the things that we need to learn from this expression of the church? What are the things we need to carry with us? What things need to go with us in the future, and what things need to stay behind? Now, we're going to be uh, equally fair to all the groups. So if you know what I mean by that, we're going to be nice and mean to all the expressions. So if you happen to come on one Sunday and it sounds like I'm being really hard on the Baptists, trust me, I'll be hard on the Charismatics and the Catholics too. All right, but I'll also be nice to them. Because there are things from every expression of the church that we need to leave behind. But there are things from every expression of the church that we need to take with us and are valuable, that are precious expressions of the nature of God that we cannot leave behind. So the idea is this. The question is for us is, are we going to go claim our baggage? The church has a few thousand years of baggage, things that we have discarded, we left behind, things that we say, we don't need that. If you are a Protestant, you were taught that we left the Catholic church behind, Correct. No? You guys were taught how to use prayer beads? Oh, no? You don't know how to do that? You guys are taught to go to confessional? Anybody? What is holy water for? Okay, that's what I thought. You were taught to leave it behind, correct? And the question for us is what needs to come with us? And so for all of us, that there's going to be a home base. There's going to be a, a place that we grew up, the blankie for us. And if you are at a point in your life where you have not let go of the blankie uh, yet, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle to learn how to leave certain things behind. But if you are at a place where you have thrown all of that behind, 
If you grew up Baptist and you've come to a place in your walk where you're like, I just, I can't stand any of that expression of God. You know, I grew up Baptist and all of that was just a waste. We're going to teach you to go back to your roots and to regain things that have value. To revisit the place of your, if you would, your spiritual birth. To go back to your spiritual home and to regain the value. Uh, here's an example. Uh, with your family, who, who is the most critical of their own family? You, correct? Because you, you know your family's dirt, right? Your family will get on your nerves more than anyone else's family will, okay? At the same time, as we mature, you have to learn to love your family and embrace them for all of the good that they bring, right? So this morning, we're going to talk about my uh, if you would, spiritual roots, my uh, spiritual family that I was born into as a Christian. And so I was born a charismatic. <laughs> All right, don't run. It wasn't like fully Pentecostal charismatic. That makes you feel better, okay? Uh, and, and so with us, I, I was born charismatic. We, I, I've seen all different expressions of it, uh, Pentecostal, Word of faith and non-denominational and all sorts of even smaller expressions of it. Uh, I've seen all sorts of different things the charismatic church. The charismatic expression of God is still the hardest place for me to return to and feel comfortable. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. I've experienced it all. I've even met God in so many places in the charismatic church. But it's one of the places for me personally I don't feel at home there anymore. Because there's something about us as we grow up. If, if you think back to yourself, when you're a teenager, you go through a phase where you want to kind of distance yourself from your parents. Okay, I want some nods. Okay, have you ever done this? Oh, good, okay. Now, there's a space where you want to separate yourself. Now, with Jude, he's, he just turned seven. I'm pretty sure that's code for 14, okay? Like, he already is, like, you know, in public. He's like, Mom, just, just stay over there, Dad. Okay, cool. You know, what the term is with his friends, Dad, if you could just stay over there, well, you know, with all the other dads. Hey, Dad, look, there's dads if you want to go talk to them. I'm going to go with the kids, and you stay over there, right? There is a place for us in our spiritual maturation where you will begin to realize there is more to life than what you've been told. When you are a teenager, you are being exposed to new ideas about life, about the world, about the way things work, and you're starting to question what your parents taught you. I'm not sure if my parents, if what they told me is right. I like this over here. There's a place in your spiritual walk when you become a spiritual teenager. You begin to experience there's more to God and more to experiencing God than what I was told. Example, I was told the Baptists have nothing right, but I really love it. I really love this about the Baptist. We'll keep it generic, okay? I, I want to save the good details for, the, for that Sunday. I was told that the Catholic Church is a waste, but I found Jesus in the holy water. And you guys are like, nope, mm -mm, we're leaving. I was told that the Anabaptists are crazy. It's like they're a bunch of Mennonites, and they, they withdraw from society. But I found the value of centering our lives on following Jesus. There's a point where you begin to experience that not everything that you were taught is right, and that there's even more outside of it. And so you begin to distance yourself from your roots. And so with the charismatic church, there's a place in, in, in my growth and maturation where I just wanted to get away. I wanted to get out of home, okay? In college, most kids want to go to college away from their family. Now, if you have a kid who wants to go to college close to your family, that's good. With Jude, he's told us, like, uh, he wants to go to college right next to us. He wants to have, like, a, 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 he wants to have like a little house built in our front yard. 
so he can, you know, he can have his family next to ours. It's cute, but I'm hoping he grows out of it. Uh, no, you're not going to live on our property, son. When you're 18, you are gone. No. Um, see you at Christmas. With Liam, though, he's different. He's like, Dad, I want to go to the mountains and to the oceans. I just want to go. I, I want to live all the way. He, wants, he just wants to go do all the things, right? But there's a place for us where we just want to create space from our roots. And with the Charismatic Church, it was, it was like that for me. And so for me, the process of having to return to my roots to find out what, it, what am I missing? What from this place in my life do I need to regain? What is the goal? What, what's the value uh, in the expression of God in the Charismatic Church? Now, if I could sum up the charismatic expression of the church in one word, it's this. Power. Power. The Charismatic Church is obsessed with finding God in the expression of his power. Now, in that is experience. And so, the, and so the, there are two elements the charismatic church focuses on. It's power and experience. And typically they go hand in hand. I want to experience God in his power. And when they say power, they always mean some kind of an experiential way, meaning I want to be in a service and I want to feel like goosebumps. Now, if you've never experienced these things, okay, just, just listen Okay, if you have questions about it, just holler at me after. Uh, it might sound a little bit nuts. I want to be prayed for, and I want to fall down. Does that sound exciting to anybody? Hey, the first Sunday I prayed for someone, they fell down. Life goal achieved. Come on, you guys are just... I used to be so proud, because like, no one could knock me over. I, I walk up to the prayer like this, you know, like, you know. Pray for me, you know. I'm ready to receive, you know. <laughs> we want to experience God in uh, signs and wonders. We want to see uh, people healed. We want to see miracles. We want these dreams and visions. Okay, here's a code word, okay? Power means a little bit crazy. Okay, so like when God shows up, if it's powerful, what that's code for is that, man, things just got wild, okay? So in my mind, when I begin to, to kind of envision the expressions of God in all the different churches, I kind of picture dancing. Okay, this is going to get weird. Stay with me. It's just, okay. So the charismatic dance to me is like hardcore, like just... I, I, do you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's what the charismatic expression of the church is to me. Just, just get wild with it, you know. Just, just get nuts and lose yourself, right? Lose your mind. That is what the charismatic expression is, okay? It's learning to value losing control. Now, I'm kind of joking with them a little bit, but here's one thing. The church needs to reclaim the charismatic expression of God because there is power in letting go of control. There is experience with God that is unique, that only comes when we are intentional about letting go of ourselves, about getting lost in God. Now, the expressions of the charismatic church in, in church history can get a little bit crazy. But if you think about yourself in other contexts, what is the best way you know, to, uh, to experience love in a relationship? When you begin to, to be vulnerable, to stop trying to control the other person in your marriage, in your friendship, to stop trying to manipulate, when you begin to be vulnerable, to let your guard down with, with, with another human being, 
That's where the, the deepest spaces of connection occur. And the charismatic expression doesn't always do well at teaching us how or why, but what they do do is they tell us that there is a space with God where if you will just let go of yourself a little bit, if you will be vulnerable, if you will put your guard down, if you will relax, be loose control, you will encounter God in a unique way. You cannot encounter Him in other spaces. There's a power in letting go of control. And the charismatic expression tells us this. It tells us that experience is crucial for our walk with God. There have been so many things I've gained in the last 10 years that I've found of God outside the charismatic expression. But there are moments of experience, moments where I had a a physical, mental, emotional, uh, soul-level connection with God where it's impossible for someone to convince me it isn't real because I experienced it. It doesn't matter how, 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 how logical we believe we are as humans. We are emotionally driven creatures. We, draw, we are moved by feelings. And there is a value in connecting to God through a personal experience. Feeling, seeing, hearing something that tells us that God is present that, and that God is real. And so the church needs to reclaim the charismatic expression of God because power and experience are two things that the church needs today. Now, if the charismatic expression is a little bit wild, you know, it's a little bit kind of, it's like hardcore dance, right? Uh, It's like a mosh pit. Who's been to a mosh pit before? That is a charismatic experience. That is exactly what it's like. You can go in there and have a blast, or you can get kicked in the face. It's all the same. Oh my gosh, that was perfect. I'm going to remember that for the future. Okay, so what I'd like to do each week is to talk about a, a primary expression like the Charismatic Church, and I would like to, to pair them with a dance partner. If we could play matchmaker for the Charismatic Church, who would we match them with to create balance, to create a more healthy experience with God? I would like to pair the crazy blah, blah, blah of the charismatic church with the monastic expression of the church. Now, everyone's going monastic. What are you talking about? Okay, think monks, okay? I don't have time to give you a full breakdown of the monastic expression, but if there's one word to describe the monastic uh, expression of the church, it's this, slow. So if the charismatic church is doing this, right, the monastic church is doing this. We're just staying in our zone. We're just, we're slow, you know. And if you could just pair this with a little bit of this, in the middle is where we want to be, right? And so the monastic expression does this. Where the charismatic tells us that God is found in the spectacular, sensational, loud noises, big feelings, big happenings, uh, you know, limbs coming out, the, you know, the dead being raised. The monastic tells us that God is not just found in the extraordinary. God is in the ordinary. God is to be found in the cup of coffee. God is to be found in conversation with a good friend. God is to be found in a sunrise. God is to be found in in silence, in solitude. We pair the two together. Because see, what happens is 
We leave our home roots and we go, look, I found God in silence. I found God in solitude. I found God in the sunrise and in the wind. I found God in all of the simple things of life. God is present everywhere. See, the charismatics have it wrong. God isn't just when the song is right and the emotions right and people are screaming and signs of wonder. God is even outside of that. He's in the God is even present in the boring, in the ordinary in the mundane. And if I don't learn to encounter God in the ordinary, I will only ever encounter God in the, in the 2% of life. So I'm not sure if you've experienced it, but most of life is ordinary. And if I spend my entire life trying to create an extraordinary, crazy experiences every moment, I will wear myself out and everyone around me. Because God is also to be found in the quiet, in the ordinary, in the morning breakfast with my kids. Okay? In going to a baseball tournament with my family. God is present. And if I can just have my eyes open, I can have an encounter that transforms me even in the everyday, ordinary moments of my life. I don't have to reject the extraordinary, the supernatural. Guess what? I can meet with God in both worlds. And if I only live in a slow pace, if I only look for God in the ordinary, then there will be moments when I need God in the extraordinary. There will be moments when my marriage is falling apart and the ordinary isn't enough. I need something supernatural. There's moments where someone I love could be battling cancer. And I love the ordinary. I want to, to meet with God in the moments, you know, during chemotherapy. I want to meet God there. But guess what? I also want to be healed. And we need marriage of these two worlds. If you only have one, you are missing out, friends. You are missing out. And the thing for us to learn in the next month is this. God is at work and present in all of these expressions. All of these expressions. And here's a secret kind of thing for you. No one has it right. Everyone has something right, but no one has it all right. And the moment that we realize that, we will be able to put our walls down and learn to embrace the value of every expression. How amazing would it be if I get to encounter God in the supernatural and signs and wonders and having these amazing, ecstatic moments of encounter with God, and yet I can also have them when I walk into the ordinary part of life, which is 90% of my life. When I'm at work, whenever I'm having to, you know, the kids are screaming in the car, I can be present with God in these moments too. I don't have to go to every conference. I don't have to pray up. I don't have to make everything super amazing, supernatural, awesome. I don't always have to have emotions and feelings because sometimes I get emotionally numb. And guess what? When I go through dry seasons, I can learn to be present with God. marriage is what we're after. Because God is at work in both. And if we only choose to embrace one or the other, we are missing out on God. I don't think that any of us want that. And so this morning, the church, the universal church, the followers of Jesus, we have to reclaim our baggage. Yes, guess what? There is baggage with the charismatic church. There is some crazy, nutso, just stuff that we've had happen in the charismatic expression of the church. There's terrible doctrine, awful understandings of the Scriptures. There's a, there's a huge lack of understanding of the Bible and just church history in the charismatic expression. But guess what? There's powerful expressions of healing, signs and wonders, 
personal experiences and encounters that will transform people for the rest of their lives. And the risk for us is that we have to be willing to pick up the bag, to reclaim it with both the good and the bad. As long as we are willing to see it, to, to embrace it for what it is, we can walk forward with it in a healthy way. So this morning, I just want to encourage you that here at Grace, our goal is in every one of these expressions, our goal is to pick up the baggage, to reclaim it, to say, you know what? Not everything that ever happened is us, but there is something in this. There's something in these expressions, in the charismatic expression. There's something in the monastic expression that is good and it's godly, and I want my kids to have that in their lives. I want my kids to know what it's like to encounter God in these extraordinary moments of just power and just experience. And I want to know, my kids to know what it's like to encounter God in every second and moment of their lives, to be present with God. I want these things for our kids. And so as we go forward as Grace Church and as a church family, we are going to continue this effort that we have here to find ways to marry these worlds. These two dance partners who just want to take it like this, and trying to marry that person to the, ah, <laughs> uh, that, to marry them. And it's going to take time, and we're going to experiment and tweak and try, and the odds are it's, it's going to be a very difficult process, but we need to marry these two together, because if we can marry them together, if we can get the gold in this expression and the gold in this expression and bring it into one place, there's something special to be had. Would you guys stay with me?